I want to share the following excerpt uh, from an article that was written by Kate Mills and Helen Kim's blog post dated Tuesday, October 31st, uh, 2017. And I quote, in the real world, students encounter problems that are complex, not well defined, and lack a clear solution and approach. They need to be able to identify and apply different strategies to solve these problems. However, problem-solving skills do not necessarily develop naturally. They need to be explicitly taught in a way that can be transferred across multiple settings and contexts." End quote. Welcome to Episode 106 of the Teacher Rockstar Podcast, a place where tips and strategies critical to the new teacher are discussed. Today we'll be talking about creating problem solvers with our guest, Ryan Stoyer. But before we do, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Would you like to supercharge your classroom management skills? Well, if you're a teacher with less than five years of classroom experience, a student teacher, or perhaps you're a teacher returning back to the classroom after an extended absence, the Teacher Rockstar Academy course is for you. Gain the confidence, the skills you'll need to make all the difference in the world for our boys and girls. Enroll now at tra.teacherclassroomresources.com. I believe you can transform yourself into becoming a truly great teacher. It just takes the right tools and the right approach. Before we dive in to our topic today, I'd like to share some interesting things about today's guest. Ryan Stoyer launched the first project-based learning middle school in the country and is the founder of Magnified Learning, a PBL professional development organization that equips teachers, instructional coaches, and principals across the country to engage learners, tackle boredom, and transform classrooms. Prior to founding Magnify Learning, Ryan was an engineer for a Fortune 50 company, an eighth grade English teacher, and a missionary. He shares his education and leadership insights on YouTube and on the PBL Simplified podcast. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Steve, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Well, I'll tell you, I'm also excited to have you share your expertise with us today. So, Ryan, tell our listeners about your journey within the uh, PBL world. Yeah, I love your your audience of of kind of newer teachers that are, you know coming back to the classroom, whatever that may be. I was an engineer right out of Purdue University, and uh, did that work for a while. Uh, loved it. I really appreciated the, the difficult problems, the complex complexity of the work. Um, I was in the, a hub that was you know, processing 1.5 million packages a day. Um, and then I kind of realized that my two favorite days of the year were actually the days where we were working with United Way and we were working with kids in after-school programs. And it's like, huh, maybe, maybe my destiny is going to take me a different place. So that took me to eighth grade English on the southwest side of Indianapolis. And I was teaching traditionally because that's all I knew. Um for a while. And then one of my learners actually dropped out of high school freshman year, first semester. And I was like, I didn't even know that was legal that you could do that. And I was like, wow. Right. So as a data driven guy, I was like, that's not a data point. That's not why I got into education and project-based learning came along. And when we implemented project-based learning with these same learners in the same school, same urban school, uh, we took 25% of those kids and we gave them project-based learning. And we saw uh, with 25% of the kids, we had 8% of the discipline. We Our attendance was a percent and a half higher. And in an F school, we would have been a B. So essentially, these same kids were showing up and generally doing what they were supposed to be doing. And you know, we had kids that turned in 
all of their PBL units for the first three units. And that had never happened to me as, as an educator. Uh, you know, I had kids that had, you know, 20% for the whole year. Kids weren't turning things in. They were apathetic about their work. And suddenly they were showing up and they were fired up to the work they were doing. So I just got hooked on project-based learning and started spreading it to other teachers. And now we spread it around the country. Well, that's fantastic. That, that's really great. Uh, well, let me ask you, uh, Ryan, we could just start with what exactly is uh, creative problem solving? In a nutshell. Yeah, and I loved your opening. I think for me, the nutshell is problem solving is achieving a worthwhile goal. Okay. So uh, when you look in your opening, I heard you say, you know, in the real world, we're solving complex problems. They don't have a pat answer that rounds out evenly, right? So our learners need right. to be able to solve a problem. They need to be engaged. So it needs to be authentic. It needs to be worthwhile. They need to know when it's solved. Uh, and they need to have a process. I loved your opening quote. There needs to be a process that they use to solve a problem. So then when they get out into the world, they can use that same process to solve problems in their own lives. Absolutely. Um, so what would you say are the skills of a good problem solver? Yeah, great question. Um, so I've got six steps to project-based learning that I walk through as far as my problem-solving process. So the skills that go along with these is you need to be able to identify important problems. So you need to be observant. That's the skill. You need to be able to see the ideal. So what does this look like when it's solved? So I think there's a bit of optimism and creativity that comes with that. You need to be able to brainstorm possible solutions to these complex problems. So again, I think creativity is a really important skill for us to develop in our learners. You have to be able to pick a solution. So there's discernment, a growth mindset that comes along with that. You've got to run that solution to make sure it works. And if it doesn't, you need to rework it. So you need to be a really active problem solver. Right. And then I think the last step is you need to be reflective. So how did I solve that problem so I can use that same process again in other parts of my life? The reflection is really important. Absolutely. Um, no doubt about that. Now, how would you suggest that teachers use problem-solving methods? Yeah, I I think it's, you know, you can get to the granular, you know, how do you solve a word problem in math? And there's some problem-solving technique, techniques there. But I think globally, if you pull back a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. every day has problems that need to be solved, right? Every day that a learner can see a problem around them. And I think the first step is to help our learners identify problems and then tell them, let them know that they can be the solution. They can figure out those solutions. So you do need a structure to that, but the first step is believing in our learners that they can be the problem solvers of tomorrow. Right, okay. Um, Ryan, uh, then how, how do you uh, actually go about implementing problem solving in the classroom? Yeah, that's okay. Um, good question. I think when you talk about implementation of problem solving, because just again, like the quote you opened up with, it's not necessarily a learned trait. It doesn't come by accident. We need to bring it to our learners. Right. So I think you start with vocabulary. You have a process like this is the way we problem solve. We are problem solvers. And then be transparent with your own problem solving. If you have a problem as a teacher, sometimes, especially new teachers, you want to try to hide those. We want to try to be perfect. After a while, you you learn that being transparent with your mistakes and then solving those, like kind of bringing your metacognition out, like just talking through that problem actually helps 
uh, model problem solving. So the other thing you want to do, I think, is applaud the process and not necessarily the results. So for instance, if you said, hey, um, we should look to find a way to help uh, this this nonprofit that's helping uh, homeless people. Say, okay, well, you got a learner that says the next day, they're out in the middle of the cafeteria, they open up their guitar box and they start playing, they start busking for money. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> you should applaud the process, right? Like you jumped in, you were active, you were optimistic. I appreciate that. Now let's take some of those same ideas and let's see if we can you know, create a sustainable way that we can that we can help, right? So as you implement problem solving, it's I think a lot of it is vocabulary and sometimes permission, right? A lot of our learners think they're just supposed to sit there passively. Let's bring them into the problem solving process. Absolutely. So, you know, kind of the springboard from what you just said, is it okay for students to, uh, when they're engaged in this kind of uh problem solving experience to fail at a task or to get stuck. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Those are some <laughs> of the best, the best learning environments. And we want them to fail when they're with us, right. In the school system, not necessarily when they're out. Cause I know failures in, uh, kind of a, it's in vogue right now in the education world, but we, we also want them to have success. So we want them to fail with us so we can say, Hey, that was a great idea. How can we tweak that? So it can work a little bit better. Or you're stuck, exactly. so let's let's step back. Why don't you get with four other students and brainstorm another possible solution? And that's starting to build the structure, the resilience, the perseverance in our learners so that they can continue problem solving. Outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what would you say are some of the problem solving classroom activities? See, I'm kind of focused on, granted, all teachers, but that new teacher that just fresh out of college you know, uh, I know they have, I mean, because like you said earlier, I mean, in trying to, you have to teach this. This is not something that the teacher's going to wake up, oh, tomorrow I'm going to go ahead and do uh, creative problem solving. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, yeah. it's a learned learned thing. So uh, what are some some activities and things? That yeah, I I think sometimes we make it too difficult. I think really is, I think we need to give our learners some voice and choice. So you just look around, like what are some problems that we see right here in our classroom, right? And let's solve mm -hmm. some of those. So maybe it's the clean air in your classroom. How can we create a clean air in our classroom environment and let kids brainstorm right there? Like maybe you bring plants in, maybe you open up the window in between classes, but let them find right, a couple right. problems that they can solve. So, you know, for you, if you're a new teacher, find some problems that you don't mind learners solving. Right. So how can you make your classroom more inviting for visitors? Right. If somebody comes in, how can we make it more inviting? Maybe it's a one pager that explains your classroom. Maybe there's a learner that is the the welcomer. Right. When someone comes in, right. they can be the welcomer. Now, if you're the kind of teacher where you're like, I don't know if I can give up control of my of my bulletin board, then maybe you don't do that. Right. But what is one thing that you could kind of give some freedom to the learners to say, hey, would you solve this problem? And I would say, like, don't make it like world peace, right? Or poverty across the global poverty, right? Like yeah, find some so. small local places where they can get some wins in problem solving. And so then they can look, you know, if you're in an elementary classroom, it's like, well, how do we clean up, you know, like our book bag area? How can we create some systems there? And then when they look over there, they say, oh, that was my system that helped clean that up, right? And and then really, apl really applaud those things, right? Just at a random time through your day, like, man, that looks great over there. You guys did a great job in solving that problem. 
there's Absolutely. problems all around us. Just let the learners pick one and then let them run with it. Okay, great, great advice there. Uh, what would you say, Ryan, are um, attributes of a good problem solver? I know you touched on a, a, a little bit uh, earlier there, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, could you tell us in, in your, your sense of, of a good problem solver? Yeah, let me, because I got into my six steps and I got in my soapbox a little bit with project-based learning. I, If you really boil it down, it's really growth mindset. Right? A, a good problem solver knows that there's always, there's a better way. You know, it can, things can always be a little bit better and I'm going to keep moving towards that and I'm not going to give up, right? I don't have the fixed mindset that says, oh, I'm not the problem solver or that's just for the smart kids. I'm not going to do that. The growth mindset says, I can do that. And if I haven't done it now, I, I'll, I'll eventually I'll get there, right? Or I failed this time, but I'm sure I'll get it next time. So I would really focus Absolutely. on that growth mindset. So, you know, you, so you're saying that patience also and perseverance, I think is probably would be the, uh, one of the key factors of, of being a, a good problem solver, I would think. Uh, what's your sense on that? And, and, and to kind of, to go beyond that, what makes an effective problem solver? Yeah. And effective. I, yeah. And I, I think perseverance is a big one. Um, if you go look at, um, there's a great YouTube video called Austin's Butterfly, where they go through and they review some work of an elementary student. And one of the feedback pieces from this young, young man is, you can tell he really persevered through, I think it's like six drafts that he went through, right? And if, if we can teach our learners to go through six drafts, right, to have the perseverance, whether it's writing or art, if you can persevere through six drafts, you're going to have a really great product, right? And you're going to grow. So I really love the idea of perseverance. And you say, well, I don't know if my second graders are going to get to, to know that. It's like, well, if you teach them the word perseverance, they can start to walk into that word perseverance and that identity of perseverance. Same thing, K twelve, right? Like you can, as you teach those things, as you expect those things, you say and, and applaud those things. Your learners will walk into that, and they'll notice, Absolutely. hey, hey, Mister Stoyer, did, did I just use perseverance right there? Oh, you sure did. That was great. You tried again and again. Hey, guess what? You need to try a couple more times. You're not quite there yet, right? And you just kind of have fun with it, you know? But but you're starting to build and model that perseverance. It's a really important quality. Absolutely. You know, when I was in the classroom, I was, I'll tell you what, I was really into the use of anchor charts. And mm-hmm. and like, let's take, for example, I used them in literacy, I mean, across the curriculum. But And then in mathematics, you know, I'd have an anchor chart where it says how to get unstuck. Well, what are some of the kind of things you can do? Well, you could restate the problem. What What is the problem asking you to do? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You could uh, write it in your own words, uh, circle, underline, highlight, important, important information, draw a picture, you know, and that kind of thing. So... Uh, your sense of having anchor charts and things to kind of remind kids. Um, what, what do you think about, uh, I mean, do you think uh, the, the, the idea of having anchor charts um, would be, uh, would be a great help? Yeah. What's I think your it, take on that. I think it makes sense. And, you know, I was a secondary guy, right? So I was in middle school and bulletin boards weren't my thing. You know, we didn't do anchor charts, but, uh-huh. but I saw this great bulletin board on growth mindset. And it just had the two, it had fixed mindset on one side, growth mindset on the other. It's like, well, instead of saying I can't, say I can't yet. 
right? And it just gave, so I do like the idea of anchor charts, of giving your learners wording that they don't currently have that they can use and they can adopt, they can make it their own, right? So like that yeah, yet is yeah. such a powerful word. It's like, yeah, you didn't do it yet, but you sure can. I know you can, I believe in you, right? And just giving them those words because they don't have them, right? It's, that's what we need to teach them. They, nobody's born just knowing perseverance, right? So, but if you give, if you look at an entrepreneur, for instance, and say, well, wh what's made you successful? Perseverance comes at, at some point, right? Oh, you just, gosh, yes. you keep going, <laughs> you keep going, you keep going. And if you do that in school, it's going to work. You just keep going, you keep going. Per if we could teach our learners one thing, I wonder if perseverance wouldn't be it. Absolutely. Uh, well, Ryan, now again, how does the new teacher create a classroom culture conducive to problem solving? And, and um, you know, in other words, they're going to have to start off with the basics. I mean, a, a explicit instruction, right? I mean, what's your take on that? Sure. Yeah, I think so, right? So when you're new, you're just trying to figure out life and make it through the day at some point, right? And that's okay, right? Like you've got to figure out grading systems. You've got to figure out curriculum maps, all these different things that are thrown at you. So my first advice is you're going to get it. You're going to be great. Just keep at it, right? But so what if while you're going through your day or through your week, what if you just had one day a month where you just problem solved? And one of my favorite activities is really simple. It's just called the bag of junk, right? You just, or box of junk, B-O-J. Uh -huh. And you just have a bunch of stuff, broken stuff, uh, rubber bands, pieces of an old you know, DVD player, pieces of whatever it is. And you just build something. Just have kids tinker. And then say, you know what? I want you to build something that could revolutionize the world. And their job is in 15 minutes to create something and then give a two-minute talk on how it'll how it'll change the world. And they're going to make it up. It's going to be fun. It's going to be, or they could say, you can even say, how does this pile of junk that you've made relate to you? Well, you know, it's got some hard edges and sometimes I have hard edges, but, you know, it all comes together and it works, right? But uh -huh. you can have that one day where you just open it up and just kind of an open time of problem solving. You can create different problems for kids to solve, uh, but make it an engaging time. You know, maybe make it hands-on like the bag of junk. What I like the bag of junk is you can bring it out and then it all just goes back into the closet, right? But then uh -huh. connect it to the critical thinking and the problem solving by having them explain why they did what they did. So will they make some neat thing that's, you know, going to win the Nobel Peace Prize? Absolutely not, right? It'll be it'll be a piece of junk, but they will come up with a very creative explanation of why they did what they did. And that's the gold right there is they won't be able to, they might not even turn it in, but you'll get to hear the problem solving happening. And you're going to start saying problem solving is a good thing to do in this classroom and it'll grow. That is fantastic. You know, uh, what you just said is so very, very powerful. It, it really is. Uh, Ryan, what, what would be the biggest takeaway that you would want teachers to know when creating a problem solving culture in their classroom? Yeah, it, that I it's know there's so probably lots of takeaways, but <laughs> <laughs> that is, it's a tough question it... to say what's what's the biggest. <laughs> I think the biggest is that it's really, really important for your learners. You know, and, and that's maybe a silly thing to say, but you're gonna go through all these different standards you need to engage. You're gonna go through all these units that you're gonna create, take learners through, and they're all important. It's stuff that you need to do. But really, 
when your learners leave your classroom, they leave your school, you want them to be able to problem solve things in their school life in their home life, in their future life. And you're literally building these problem-solving skills that they're going to use for the rest of their life. And I don't care if you're in kindergarten or 12th grade. In kindergarten, they need to be solving problems. They need to start now so they can build on Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? In the same way that we teach addition and then subtraction, and then you start multiplying, you build on these things. The problem-solving happens as well. And we want, by the time you leave 12th grade, we want you to be a great problem solver to create great outcomes for you and your family, but also the world. So it really is an important piece and it does not happen naturally. You do need to think through it. All right. Uh, Ryan, where can folks go to learn more about you? Uh, if they go to Google and, and put in Magnify Learning, um, they'll get a ton of resources. Um, you can go to, maybe even better would be PBL Simplified. So I've got a book that's coming out January, 2023 uh, oh, okay. called PBL Simplified. And there's also a YouTube series by the same name. So if you put that into um, Google, you'll find the book and the YouTube series. The YouTube series is three to five minute videos. They're real short. You go into your inbox and you can just watch them real quick and get a quick glimpse of a little bit of project-based learning and some of this problem solving we've been talking about. All right. Outstanding. And I do believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but your book is on Amazon. Is that correct? It is anywhere books are sold. So Barnes okay. & Noble, Books A Million, <laughs> anywhere you buy books, you'll find it. All right. Outstanding. Ryan, I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today. Absolutely, Steve. I appreciate you having me on. And I look forward to having you back again. And uh, I want you to have a great day and we're going to talk soon. Well, we have come to the end of today's episode. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Rockstar Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Hiles, and we hope you got some golden nuggets about creating problem solvers. When you get a moment, visit my blog and subscribe to my newsletter for the latest educational research, best practices, and unadvertised free bonuses. Go to blog.teacherclassroomresources.com. And don't forget to subscribe to us at the Teacher Rockstar Podcast. And if you'd like to support us, please feel free to share our podcast with others, post about it on social media, leave a rating and review. That would be greatly appreciated as always. Thanks again. We'll see you same time, same place next week. And remember, my friend, you got this.